Hey everyone, um, welcome back to another episode of the A's and D's podcast. Um, today's episode, we are going to be talking about family and gender st- statuses. So typically in Ugandan culture, I suppose in all African countries, uh, mainly decisions are decisions that affect, you know, the family or society are heavily made by um, a husband or a father father. Um, and these will have no uh, influence from the mother or the children that you know are involved um, and I suppose this still happens in in Uganda today um, but because of education and the Christianity influence um, it things have gotten a little bit better so women do have a say but that's not to say that they can make a decision that would affect the entire group yeah so as we uh you know keep talking and conversing we are going to talk about how culture has affected um gender roles and particularly obviously in ugandan culture because we are ugandans um we will talk about you know the different hierarchies of relationships and you know the privileges and duties that are weaved together um so yeah, let's dive in. So typically in like the Western sense, family structures can come in many forms. We understand that, um, whether it's like two mothers, two fathers. Um, but as you extend further, everyone has aunts and uncles, um, grandparents, and typically Ugandan structures are a little bit similar, but those roles within like the aunts and uncles are way more impactful than I guess the, the Western idea of an aunt and uncle. So um, maybe we start at the very top with these Ugandan familial roles and we start with the heir of the family who is known as the Omsika. This person is essentially the head of the family and what's interesting about this role is it's usually typically it's a man but if say your grandmother passed away she can also have an Omsika to replace her. So this is someone who replaces someone who passes away and takes on their familial responsibility, whether that's taking care of the grandkids, taking care of, um, you know, that person's partner. Um, Mm. It's really important that the replacement just adds on to their own duties with this person's duties. Um, just to give a little bit of a breakdown in terms of what Miss Nalukenge has said um, when it comes to the muska and their role and how the it sort of comes about. So basically, um, what we've got in our family is we had our judge, who's our grandfather, and he died. So when he died in his will, he wrote down um, our uncle to sort of take over his role as um, sort of the grandfather of the family, looking after the children um that were living at home. And then, um, obviously, unfortunately, our uncle also passed away. And um, we don't think he had a will in place. So what happened in that situation is that the family gets to choose someone that they think is responsible enough to take on this role, to be basically the judger of the of the household. And um, that passed on to one of our cousin's dad because they believed him to be the most responsible individual within the family and um, to be able to take care of the rest of the kids back home so um and also when it comes to the muska they also have obviously like 
we know it, but they need to come from the same clan. So obviously they can't pick someone else that's from uh, a different clan. And we did touch upon clans in um, our first episode where we talked about that we have various different clans, like um, the A's are from the Chima. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then we're from the Mamba clan. So obviously when it came to that sort of um, picking, who was going to take over our uncle that passed away, and they chose our cousins and our cousin's dad. He had to come from the Mamba clan because obviously that's our sort of like that's the family sort of um clan, I guess. Um so yeah, so when it comes to when it comes to the actual roles of the Miska and what they have to do, it's basically just to take on the role of the past take on the role of the person that's passed away and um take on their responsibilities, which are usually to sort of um look after the assets and the properties that that person has left behind. And um, also to look after any children or also to look after, as Miss Nalukenge said, the wife of that person, if they've left a wife behind. This person takes on the road to sort of take care of them. And also we've been told back in the day that you could also marry that person <laughs> if you wanted to. But it's um, the more we kept on thinking about that, um, we were thinking, doesn't that mean that's, that could basically be your mom, if that makes sense? It doesn't happen so much now in practice. I think it was like theoretical because you kind of, because you take on the responsibilities. You become, yeah, the husband to that wife that's left behind. But, you know, it's just symbolic. Mm. Essentially, this person now has someone to take care of them as well as if you're their husband. But yeah, let's not get into all of that. <laughs> it gets rather complicated. Um, just to go back to your earlier point, Kula, um, when you mentioned that our uncle didn't have a wheel um, to take over for someone else to take over the being an heir to the family, um, to, from my, my granddad, he doesn't need a will because that role he's, he's gone, he's passed. He doesn't need a will for someone to take over. The family can just decide. He doesn't need to put it in the will or when I die, who's going to take over being the heir of the, the family. Um, someone else can just be assigned. Um, and I think this structure allows for, our family no matter where we travel into the world or no matter what happens in terms of diaspora there's always a home to go back to because even if someone passes now there'll be a new muksa appointed so that home is always there and taken care of never sold off just somewhere we can always go back to which um when compared to the western idea of family isn't always the case if it's not in a will if it's not legalized it doesn't exist um so that's always an interesting comparison. When it comes to our grandma, when she passes away and she picks uh, someone to take over her role, it doesn't necessarily have to be someone from um, her husband's side. So it, she can pick somebody from her side and obviously that person will be from a different clan. That's why it's so important for us to have all these different clans because they dictate um, the familiar roles. And what has to be emphasised here is that these structures, these familiar roles are so important because... If we go back to the village where our grandparents live and where all these structures take place, there's more than just one family. There's two, three, four, five families, um, maybe 60, 70 people to have responsibility over and more, you know, like I, do, I don't actually have the number, but I know I have, you know, my, my, <laughs> my grandparents had what, over 15 kids. So you just mm. imagine what that means in terms of the um, musika role. 
Mm. Um, it does mean taking care of all those people. Those people might have parents who are deceased as well. And they will need to be, you know, their, their education is taken care of, their day-to-day livelihood. That, that person impacts their future. Mm. Um, it's not the same as in the UK where you're potentially, you know, a family of five, six max. Mm. And so the heir has to t- doesn't even have to take care necessarily of the people. It's just the assets. It's uh, the familial idea of it is so different. It is all structured around, yeah, um, family as um, the, the people, not the mm. assets. Um, this actually reminds me of, um, I just remembered something in my head. This actually is somewhat similar to what the um, Asians do, like mainly the Indians, because they have like um, in their families, they have um, so many people living within one household. And I guess, um, I don't know if they have... I'm guessing they probably have the same maybe structure. Someone has to take over that sort of household and look after them when they pass away. But there's like so many of them that are living in this one house. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's the same thing that we've got um, back home in Uganda. We've got so many people living in one household and um, there's one person that's supposedly meant to be taking care of them. Yeah. I wouldn't truly agree with that statement um, just because I feel that the way that the kids are dropped off at my grandparents, mother's mm-hmm. house it's not because it's not because we're living together as you know like the asians do like an extended family um because you don't have her um sons and sisters living there it's just children so that's why i'm like it's a bit different um in that sense mm. but that's so, still considered the homestead where like if say that child doesn't have someone to take care of them they go back there they wouldn't go somewhere random there where where can they go though that's That's the the point that's why the responsibility is so much greater it's not just over houses because actually if we didn't have that role where would they go they wouldn't have an option Mm, if their parents are left have left them yeah it's definitely more i believe us on muska you're more responsible for the people rather than um the property because in in our culture like grandparents um yeah, so the like Miss Nalukenga, you said the uh the Muska will be um in charge of you know the family the assets, but I believe their main role is to be responsible for the people that live that are part of the family, and particularly I believe the grandchildren because in our culture, um, there is a habit where people just drop off <laughs> their grandchildren to stay with the grand with the grandparents a lot, so when the grandfather or the grandmother passes, the muska's responsibility is mainly to take care of those children rather than, I guess, the assets. Obviously, that's important as well, but... I guess the main asset is the land that everyone has to live on. Yeah. And we keep saying in this one house, not everyone's, like, necessarily one house. There's other houses around. Yeah. It's on a plot of land. That's our family plot. And I guess everyone's neighbouring and living together, you know, eat together, whatever. Um, so it's a responsibility over that entire area and whoever's on it, are they okay? Are they healthy? Are they mm. able to go to school? Um, what's happening? You know, you need to be aware. You're not just living, um, as a Muksa for your own, um, direct family, so to say, like mm. your kids and your wife, you know, now this is all yours. Yeah. Mm. Make sure everyone thrives. Yeah. I guess it's a really, um, I, I really like the structure of that. The fact that, um, you have this one home and there is, um, 
and people are free within the family to sort of leave their kids there and stuff like that. It also helps in terms of if you both pass away and there's no one left to look after your kids. At least, you know, there is a home where they can go to and someone will take care of them. As opposed to the UK culture where if someone passes away, your child's going to end up in social services and bounce from home to home. And um, there's no one to look after them or take care of them. They don't have a family sort of, um, they won't have any more family values. But here where we've got this this house where um, there is an auntie or an uncle that's always going to be there to sort of take care of your child and also bring them up in the way that you probably would have wanted them to. So it's good. I guess it's, it just makes sure that we don't have orphans out there in the streets begging and stuff like that. Like we've got <laughs> them at home <laughs> being taken care of. Um, yeah, I completely agree with this. Actually, the part that I really um, appreciate of the culture is that they pick someone who's responsible. It's not just about age. Whereas a lot of the time with Wills, it's like the next person down to like maybe the firstborn. And that doesn't ensure that whatever like assets, family or land or money are distributed or distributed equally or like in the right way. So I really, that is such a big factor because you could have an Amistika, for example, who's not, they wouldn't exist if they weren't responsible, but the family would go to ruin if it went mm. to the wrong person. Speaking of responsibilities in the family, the other important role I I believe would be the senga, which is an aunt. Um, and when you think about like aunties in the UK, uh, and you know what their roles are, you know, to their nephews and their nieces, I find that there's a lot of like contrast between that and what it's like for us in 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 uganda so for example like asenga for us would be will tell you things that your parent your mom can't tell you for some reason so your singer will have that responsibility of talking about the sacred secrets with you um asenga will also be responsible for um I, I guess in the um traditional marriage sense will be responsible for giving you away she'll have a really like prime primary role to play um you know back in the day singers used to test out your husbands you know before you married them so um, <laughs> um <laughs> <a lot> <laughs> yes <laughs> um yeah just to go back on that just to clarify one point um so you can have a range of aunties but the singer is your father's sister and it's a specific one picked out um i think it's about the closeness to proximity to the children or child um, and closeness in relationship as well. So yeah, that's the auntie that's going to take you through all the coming of age steps, which is probably traditionally a mother's role in the UK. So they tell you what a period was, for example, maybe talk to you about sex, maybe talk to you about how to approach life's difficulties. Um, and that is the main difference. And I think that they're like the first person to meet like your partner for life would be your sengar rather than your parents. So, um, Technically, it's kind of almost up to the Sengar to approve of your partner. And in some ceremonies, so like an engagement, um, they might be the one, they're like play a main role in that. Actually, traditionally, back in the day, um, they used to be the ones that picked out your partner if you were doing a, an arranged marriage, which is like way back. But it just shows how much of an influence they have um, in that person's life. Yeah, and I guess their role is um, moral guidance more than anything, like mm. in choosing the partner um, or being the one to have all this approval and have all this decision-making uh, responsibility. They're choosing someone who, you know, back in the day has religious standing, 
holds themselves well, um, is just someone of good moral character. They're constantly watching out for you as you grow older to make sure you're going down the right path. So, yeah, that's a huge thing to have someone, kind of like a guiding angel or guiding light, if you want to get philosophical about it, um, who watches you throughout life, no matter how old you are, they'll be there. It's not about, you know, you get to 18 and you're dropped off, they're just your auntie. They're, they're constantly there for you. So on top of that, the Senga would, once you are married, still be there to give you advice. And traditionally, this role was put in place to stop marriage breakdowns. Um, to have that middle mediator kind of person that you could go back to and discuss any issues that are going on and to make sure that the marriage doesn't come to an end because back in the day, you know, a marriage breakdown was seen as a bit of a curse within the family. So this mediator existing for all of us, you know, would mean that our marriages would hopefully stay, you know, grounded and in a good place. Does I anyone does anyone know why it's the Senga that, is the main sort of person for us and not your mother like they do in the western culture does anyone know why it has to be your aunt i guess maybe they think it's a bit more unbiased like if you give birth you might have um give birth to the child it might be like you're too close to home to make those kind of functional decisions whereas when you're an auntie you can kind of see it with clarity allegedly i'm not saying this is true <laughs> see it with clarity because you're not so so involved on a day-to-day -day. um i just think yeah the senga is such an important role and it's one of the leading female roles in the family and it just encompasses everything like it's really multifaceted you're like a matchmaker best friend half a parent um like <laughs> it just it just includes mediator counselor. marriage counselor yeah <laughs> includes everything yeah no i agree with you Ida, on that i think they need someone that's sort of impartial that's not always going to be like, oh, don't do that, don't do that type of thing. And a singer is sort of that person that would be able to look back and like step back from the situation and be able to advise you compared to your mother who's very close within it. And obviously if it's like, let's say marriage and you're having issues, obviously your mother's going to side with you. But then mm -hmm. um, if you have someone impartial, they can look at both sides mm -hmm. and then advise. What I love about this role is that, you know, a lot of the, Ugandan structures are set up for men to have quite a bit of power, but the Sengar is a matriarchal role and even the men would, you know, step back because it's her say. Mm. Um, and I think that, you know, that's, that's a very feminist, it's a strong role, strong yeah. female leading role. And I Do love you that. think um, the men have something similar? Um, no, I don't think in the same kind of guiding light. So we have um, an uncle who's called Akoja, but I don't think they have the same level of responsibility. Um, to guide them down the right road or give them relationship advice. I don't think mm. that's part of the role. But then, so why do they think that men don't need this? Why because is it women the that greatest need to be And we guided. don't know what to do. <laughs> no, I so then that brings <laughs> us back to women below men. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, but still, at least the, a, a female is dictating kind of like how it's led. And that I is mean, fair enough. I understand we have other aspects to us, like, you know, being pregnant, period, da, 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 that we need guidance on. But it just makes it seem like oh, women are so fickle. They need to, you know, be they guided by, you know, someone else. And yes, it's great. It's another woman because it wouldn't make sense if it's a man. Like, do you get exactly. what I mean? How can you tell me about my period? Men are constantly dictating what we do with our bodies. Um, you know, tampon tax. <laughs> we just, we had to get in abortion laws. Like, yeah, we're constantly being dictated at. So I think it's a positive thing if a woman who's lived through it tells you or advises you on how 
and you can make your life easier and live through the same experience. But maybe they need advice about, you know, domestic violence, you know, how to treat a woman. They should have a koja to have that, to do that for them. Why don't they have someone guiding them about those type of things, how to treat women? Do you get well, what I mean? Well, that's to their detriment. And that's the point. That's what I'm saying. I'm happy to have the Sengar role, even if it does seem as though it's like, well, we need extra guidance. Them not having the guidance causes their own problems. Perhaps their guidance is meant to be their father. That's meant to sort of guide them through and um, help them in terms of like making these decisions. Because technically, when you think about it, when a boy's growing up, it's usually it's supposed to be the father that's supposed to sort of mm. bring them up, mm. help them out, teach them all these things, and obviously mm. teach them how to get girls and stuff like that. But but, <laughs> but um, obviously, if the father's not doing that, that's where you get men that are not really sort of. Um, or if your father's an alcoholic, why do you need guidance from that? Do you get what I mean? Yes, but, but maybe there is a. Point. I'm not saying that the Sengaro, you know, I like the Sengaro, it's great. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just saying that men perhaps need guidance as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I completely appreciate that and I agree with you. And I think that's why it's like, it's shadowed in, no, it's echoed in how men behave, that they haven't had guidance. Mm. The fact that we've got such high um, rates of people, domestic violence, men towards women, I know it happens both ways, but it's way higher. Mm. Um, higher levels of... Um, cheating so like other spouses other children from the men's side all of those things it just shows you that (laughs) they haven't had any guidance i'm not trying to i'm not even comparing the two roles i'm just saying one is needed and it's not there yeah well the kodja is there but maybe they're not quite pushing no it's just an uncle that's just an uncle yeah that's what i mean so it could easily be the same structure it could same guys have done it just copy and paste and then just do it again (laughs) it's not that difficult they they need to not get too big for their boots thinking guys are born perfect because it doesn't work that's what it seems like exactly like we need guidance and they don't Mm. or men just feel like men should not be talking about these things they should not be um having these discussions so that's why they probably, the uncle is probably like, oh, leave them. They will just figure it out as they go. But really. Well, we live truly. in a patriarchal world, so they're the top of the chain. They don't even have to try. Mm. That would be okay if it didn't affect us, to be honest. Mm-hmm. If they were doing all their madness to themselves. But unfortunately, we live in this world too. So somebody guide, guide your niece, nephew, sorry. Um, so the other familiar role that we've got in um, Uganda, which might be slightly different to the Western culture, is um, we have this term called mama. And mama is basically anybody that's related to your mother becomes your mama. So basically, like all the children on your mom's side are your mama. So basically, so let me just break it down. Um, so... Miss Nalukenge's mom is related to my dad. So um, we become Miss Nalukenge's mama, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you mean cousins? There, there is no term for cousins. Ugandans don't really um, have the term cousins. So you're saying I have loads of tatas and mamas. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Yes. So the children, <laughs> the children from our family... <laughs> Are your tatas. Right. Okay, so what I'm understanding is I can never be an orphan. Yeah, that's correct. We didn't correct. really explain tata. Yeah, so tata is obviously the male children on your mom's side. So all the children on your mom's side that are males, they're tata, and then the females are mama. Um, as we said, we don't have the term cousins. Cousins does not really exist. That's a Western concept. Um, Ugandans just refer to them as your mamas and tatas. I guess with the like presence of so many mamas and tatas, there's no need for as much of an element of like legal child support. I also think in Uganda they rely on the state a lot less. 
And I think mm. the reason we have child support in the UK, although it does seem like, I'm sure it's, it helps thousands of people, um, it does seem like such a necessity and such a forward-thinking thing, but the only way reason they have it is because the state doesn't want to take responsibility for those children, so they're enforcing it on other people legally. Whereas in Uganda, because we have that family aspect and there's so many mamas and tatas and you have an omisaka who looks after the children in the family anyway, there's no need for that. I think the only reason we have it here is to prevent the state having to pay for it. Yeah. So it's quite selfish. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think the state in Uganda can afford to to, <laughs> to pay for someone else's kids. I know, um, but they can't afford it. They can't afford it. That's very true. But there's no necessity to even get there because people are looking after. Mm. The family roles that are already invented are, are good enough that people aren't like running away and there's no one for the kids to, to rely on. Yeah. So that's that, that base. If we had that here, we wouldn't even have these conversations. But it doesn't exist. Mm, that's true. So, yeah, I guess to pose a question, does that mean UK culture is a little bit more inherently cold and unsupportive and they need that legal enforcement to really push certain family values that should exist, you know, when someone's just born or whatever, the family structure exists. Those values should, should exist independent of law um i feel like when it comes to the uk people people's most people's mentality is each to their own so your um it's basically your own sort of uh, it's your own sort of responsibility to look after yourself and um you don't really have necessarily have to like um think about someone else and when it comes to uganda obviously because we have all these family values you can sit back and consider someone else and obviously take care of them type of thing but um yeah so i would say the uk is slightly a bit cold because everybody's just out for themselves i completely agree there's like a really big idea of like this essence of a nuclear family and once you found your partner and you have your kids you're like an island it's not like you're as closely connected and the only connections they try and make like sometimes religious things help people have that when they have godmothers and aspects like that that's the only way you can have someone to look after your kids but otherwise it's like very cold legal documentation and you know forced forced meetings christmas easter those those religious occasions are the ones where people meet it's not just a a a present thing in someone's life that they're seeing their extended family that's why i even have those terms um nuclear family extended family second cousin whereas we're a bit more like the family and then you have mamas and tatas there's not so many roles because there's no need um as we're talking about it um I'm thinking the UK, um, it's, it, it's such a shame that they have this family structure and like you said, cooler, um, to each and their own. Um, yet in the UK, you get such financial support to support your entire family. You don't have that in Uganda. So you might be the poorest of them all, but people will still bring <laughs> their kids to you to look after. So, um, putting those two together uh, i just now i'm just thinking i can't even get my head around it like i don't have money but i'm looking after so family is i guess it goes to show that family is such an important concept to say in you know in ugandan culture it is who we are and in, in a sense i feel like you have no choice you have to look they're your family so therefore you have to take all the responsibility whether you like it or not yeah, and um, as me as Ida said, when it comes to the UK, where it's just like the nuclear family, it's just you, you, your, and your little, your two kids and your husband, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like you're not thinking about anybody else, and this is how you get to see families 
fighting fighting another family or um, another relative because they don't really have that concept of family like embedded in them mm. as they would in Uganda. Yeah, like people become very estranged. Mm. And it becomes this thing like I haven't spoken to my sister in thirty years. Where that I can't get my head around that. Yeah, and people hating their fa- hating their siblings. Mm-hmm. It's another thing that I'll never understand. It goes to show that the definition of family can mean so many different things in so many different cultures. Um, some people think it's uh, in it's by, by blood, it's biological, and that's it. If you're out of that, then you know you're not my family. Some think it's about the relationship. You know, if I were to have someone who came from a different biological family, but they grew up with me. That's my family. There's no way anyone could tell me different, regardless of their blood type. Um, and I'd say around the room, we have a similar idea of family mm. and what that means. And it, it doesn't just have to be about blood. It's about culture, where we came from, our home. Um, and we're going to pass that on when we have our own kids. It's, it's, it's a constant so I hope you enjoy the episode and you've learned a lot about, you know, our family values and structures. And um, yeah, if you have any input or thoughts or want to learn more, just hit us up on socials. Till next time. Bye. Bye.